Get in, loser. We're going to book club. This is our whole deal. We're friends who read books. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Renee. And thanks for tuning in to Crybaby Books. Renee, how's it going? It's going so well. So today's Easter. Not really a Jesus saves girly, but we did go skiing this morning and we took Elise. She went on her first chairlift, which is a big deal because I even still like have anxiety about the ski lift for my own personal self. And so to see her like up way up top, we put the bar down. Nobody panic. But (laughs) she loved it. And they had an egg hunt. Um, But it's so like sunny now that they just put eggs on top of like this really crunchy snow and she couldn't like stand in it without like eating shit basically and so every time she like went to grab an egg she would um fall on her butt but I grabbed some for her and they were all full of like things that she can't eat so I was like damn um it was like rock candy it was like um now and later's it was like, like weed gummies. She, and it was for it was for like a six and under. No, it was not weed gummies. <laughs> it was sponsored by the mountain. Oh, ma- the mountain sponsored it. Sorry. I meant granola. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want the mountain to sponsor this podcast. I will ask if never mind. I was gonna make a bad joke. Okay. Um, I'm very excited to talk about this book because I have no idea how you actually felt about it. <laughs> um, like, it's a total crapshoot. <laughs> okay, I feel like this was the first book. Like, I like most books. I'm like, I just love to read, and I read all kinds of books all the time. Every time I read a book, like, most of the podcast books so far have been like, this wasn't the worst. And Renee's texting me, and she's like, I'm hating every second of this. This is the worst <laughs> book of my life. Like, that's usually how it goes. This book I read in a literal sitting, and I was like, it was so cute. I loved it. I'm done. <laughs> I texted you every six minutes about my feelings about it. But don't worry, Pod. We're going to tell you how I feel, and you're going to hear me be just a total insufferable book hag about it. And I'm not going to apologize, unless it's to Ashley Poston. If you're listening, actually, I'm sorry, and you might want to stop listening now. I thought this was the girl who wrote Lessons in Chemistry, and then... Um, I feel like somebody, I, you're the face you're making to me. I, somebody told me <laughs> that, or I just assumed. I loved Lessons in Chemistry. That's one of my favorite books, but listeners, it was a very hard read. There was a lot of um, sexual assault and violence against women. So it was, it was definitely hard to read, but if you can In Lessons in Chemistry, that, not in yeah. this current book. Correct, correct. In okay. Lessons in Chemistry. But if you can stomach that, it's so beautiful and it's so well written i think I last like, year Lindsay, one, i just read this book and there was no sexual assault <laughs> no lessons in chemistry that one just won uh, i think 2022's barnes and noble book of the year which is in my opinion so deserving so if you go into a barnes and noble most of the displays are still lessons in chemistry i thought about covering it this on the pod but i, I hate talking about violence against women so this will just so be my plug should i add it to the long-running list of books that I should probably read just in general just because I think so I it's it's hard but it's worth it it's just one of my favorite heroines that I've ever read about and it's I, I don't know I think it's really interesting well the cover's cute I thought it was a little bit goofy all right let's put that's a different book let's talk about the book we're here to talk about today 
So today we're going to talk about The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Sure, let's go for it. The Dead Romantics is about an author named Florence Day. She ghostwrites for a world-famous romance novelist named Ann Nichols. And Florence comes from like a spooky family. They own the Days Gone funeral home, and they're all a little bit obsessed with the dead. And the dead are like a little bit obsessed with them. Specifically, Florence and her dad, they both get visited by ghosts pretty regularly. Um, and it's almost always because they have unfinished business. When Florence was in middle school, she helped solve a local murder with the help of the murder victim's ghost. And since then, she vowed not to engage with the ghosts anymore, not to engage with her past or her hometown at all. So after she graduates high school, she moved to the big city to pursue writing. And after a failed book and a big, ugly heartbreak, she has sworn off love entirely. And the only problem is that her super hot new editor has not sworn off love. And he's expecting an Ann Nichols book any day now from her. This book was written by Ashley Poston. She's from, or she graduated from the University of South Carolina. She spent the last 10 years in the publishing industry as a social media coordinator, marketing designer, and finally an author. Um, She had this little bio on her website. And it said, when not writing, Ashley likes to build miniature rooms, which, number one, super cute. We're doing a whole, like, dollhouse situation right now in Elise's room. And I want to buy, like, little tiny designer-inspired pieces to put in her dollhouse, but I'm worried they're a little bit too small. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's super cute. Um, She likes to – anyway, Ashley likes to build miniature rooms, just like me, take long walks, and listen to Dungeons & Dragons podcasts. And she lives in South Carolina. She also has another book called Seven Year Slip that I might add to my list of books to read because it looked super cute. Well, let's see if I can convince you otherwise with my notes from this one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, turn it off. Ashley, I told you to stop listening. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the characters first. So like I said, we've got Florence Day. She's our main character. She's a ghostwriter and she sees ghosts. She's in New York City, but she's originally from South Carolina. Um... The thing is, I didn't get a huge – one of my issues with the book is that I didn't get a solid grip on who Florence was because, like, okay, she's, like – most chapters, she's, like, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And everyone hates me. And I just know that I'm such a loser. What and then is some, the accent? She's and then from South Carolina. <laughs> Let's hear your Carolina accent. No. Um, and then in other chapter, she's like, fuck yeah, like I'm tough and I'm strong. And then in another chapter, she's like, I'm just a meek little loser and I'm wearing stupid shoes. And then she's like, I'm not pretty and my boobs are not perfect. And then she like, is like, has like a girl power moment. And I'm just like, I need, I need you to either be meek or strong. And I know that women are more complicated than that, but it's like, it's so opposite throughout this book. Listeners. I want to hear about your opinion of Florence once you read the book, but I just, I couldn't get a good solid grip on who she was and not in like a Twilight way of like Bella's an empty vessel and we're supposed to just put ourselves in I'm that position. I'm doing a Twilight impression. Can you see? Yeah, I can see. <laughs> I don't think our listeners can see, but I can see and that's what matters. Um, but I don't think it was intentional. Like, I don't think it was in a Twilight way of like, oh, it, there's no personality here because you're supposed to imagine yourself there. It was just that there was, like, conflicting information about her. Anyway, listeners, let me know what you think. 
that's Florence. She's our main girly pop. Then we have Rose, who I did get a solid grip on Rose. Rose was an icon. Yeah. Um, she's Florence's best friend. She's her roommate. Uh, she's chaotic good. You'll learn all about her, and you're going to love her. Then there's Benji Andor. He's Florence's new editor. He's got little personality, but he's tall and hot and dead. Okay, so then we have Fetch. Fetch is the mayor of a small town in South Carolina, and he's a dog. And then we've got Lee Marlowe. Boo! That's Florence's Boo. ex. He took her stories and, like, wrote a book about them. He's so sleazy, and he, like, had a nasty nickname for her that we'll talk about later. Um <laughs> Ew, he's, he's just me major ick. Yeah, he's just number one ick of the year. Okay, and then we've got Alice, who's Florence's little sister. She wears Doc Martens. She went to mortuary school. And when they were both little, she, like, stood up for her older sister a lot since Florence was bullied for being, like, the ghost girl who solved the murder. And we've got Florence's dad, who is the funeral home director. He's eccentric. He wears, like, pinky rings and top hats. And he's going to die early on in this book. Florence's mom, who was kind of, like, not actually a main character, but I felt like we put her dad in there, so her mom was in there. Her mom was kind of just, like, meek and nervous. I couldn't picture her in any, like, specific way. Um, We've got Calvin, who's her goofy, like, younger brother. He works in tech. He has a Rolex, or maybe not. Who could know and then we've got Dana, who owns the Airbnb with their husband, John. I wanted to throw in here, um, when I looked at this book, I downloaded, like, the ebook, And every now and then I'll look at reviews because Lindsay was like, this book is really highly rated on Goodreads or um, Storygraph. She was like, it has a four all around. Like, it's kind of a big deal for a book that's been out for a while. I'm like, I don't know anything about books. You tell me. <laughs> um, and the top um, negative review, because I need to know what, like, snarky people have to say, was <laughs> woke propaganda made it insufferable. Woke narrative ruined it. First of all, whose mom is this? Um, and second of all, I was like, it's a book about ghosts and dead people and <laughs> editor like ghosts what who where is the is the woke propaganda like um paranormal activity like what what is the thing and then as i read on there was the um oh i know the other character i was thinking of her florence's little brother calvin is gay he's married or he spoiler alert <laughs> he marries a man um and then there's another character who uses like they them pronouns and that's it that's as that's as woke as it quote gets. unquote woke as it gets yeah it's but it wild. made me laugh and now i think i'm gonna find the worst review for every book we read and in some cases it might be Lindsay's. <laughs> just to be fair i did not find this book to be woke at all it was cringe for other reasons okay <laughs> So let's get into our hot girl summary. So like I said, we beat Florence right in the beginning of the book, of course. She's the eldest daughter of three, and she has left home to move to New York City to become a writer. She's a ghostwriter for one of the world's most famous romance authors, Anne Nichols, and she's only met Anne once. So she published her, her first novel under her own name, um, and it flopped. She really blames the publisher, though. She's like, the publisher had all these resources. I was a new writer. Like, I think it was kind of their fault it flopped, which I was like, that's a weird hot take to, like, tell the readers, whatever. Um, <laughs> so Florence, you started off weak. <laughs> exactly. 
Florence has written three bestsellers under Anne Nichols' name, though, and she's been praised in the New York Times, in Vogue. She's had a ton of success, and she, like, holds a lot of pride in that. And she's on the shelves in bookstores next to Nicholas Sparks, Nora Roberts, everybody important. Even though she's a ghostwriter, she's like, I'm on the shelves next to all of these amazing people. Like, I'm my writing is in Vogue, etc. And we also learned that Florence has experienced what she calls capital the breakup. Uh, about a year ago. It was so bad that it like ruined her and her ability to write romance. Like one day she could write it and the next day she couldn't. This is kind of where like my shakiness about the main character started because immediately she's like, I'm amazing. I'm in Vogue. I'm in New York Times. Like I've done all of this awesome stuff. And then like the next chapter, she's like, I'm a failure and everyone's going to know I'm a failure. And I'm like, girl, which is it? Her accent yet again. Okay. <laughs> So Florence's editor has retired, but she knew about the arrangement that she's a ghostwriter because only I think like only two people know like Florence and like her best friend. And that's it. Like she's never Mm -hmm. told anybody else. And so she's like, I'm worried that the new editor like might not know or whatever. So she goes in to meet him and she's like, God damn, he's hot. Um, And like he's tall and dark and handsome. So Florence has to walk in and be like, actually, I need an extension because I no longer believe in a happy ending. Um, And so she's going to go meet this new editor and then also be like, hey, I don't have what I need. It's going to be late. And can it not be (laughs) like a romance ending book? Like, can, can I have a realistic ending? And the new editor is like, hey, I know you're in Nichols' assistant. Seems rude. Um, But you need to tell her, like, she can't have an extension. If she doesn't deliver it, then, like, we're going to get legal involved. And, like, he keeps saying legal. And I've never worked in the corporate world, Lindsay. But I feel like if someone was like, we're going to get legal involved, I would be like, that's open-ended. You're not really going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he really does kind of threaten. He's like, we've given – we've already given her an extra six months of an extension. She's in a contract with us. Like, he's, like, kind of, like, this, like, I'm new in my job and I need to, like, exert authority. That's kind of the vibe I got from this was, like, you need to do it or I'm writing you up. Right. But he's also, like, you need to do it in two days. And I'm, like, I don't know anything about writing a book, but I'm pretty sure that that shit takes years. So, okay. Yeah, it takes a long time. But also, she's had a long time. She's just been pouting. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) back home, the family business is a funeral home. Dad, who's the patriarch of the family and the glue that keeps everyone together, is starting to get chest pains. And, like, Florence is really homesick. And then that's when we first learn that Florence and her dad can see ghosts but nobody else in their family can. So she's just, she's got her dad on her mind. He called. She's a little sad girl. Yeah. So Florence goes back to her apartment after that meeting with her new editor, and she's like pouting hardcore. And her roommate Rose comes home, and she's like, nope, we're going out. We need to get you out of this funk. And she's like, no, no, I have a deadline. Let me eat my mac and cheese. Let me eat my depression mac and cheese alone and not work on this book. And her roommate's like, no, I'm calling a catawampus, which was I thought was so cute and funny. So catawampus is their emergency word. It's one that like ends the argument. It ends the discussion. It changed the request into a demand and they each get one a year. And she's like, this is serious. I'm calling catawampus. Put this dress on and put my shoes on and get your act together because we're going out. So she, like, takes Florence to this, like, funky little old speakeasy bar, and it's, like, kind of hidden down this weird alleyway, and it's quiet and cozy and, like, pretty busy inside. And Florence goes to order Everclear, 
as like, like a drink. <laughs> Like, like she's the at the fuck? bar and she's like, I'm going to get some Everclear. And I texted Lindsay. I was like, you made the notes for this and you did not include that she went to the bar and ordered Everclear. The thing is, like, who is this character? She's like, I just want mac and cheese because I'm depressed. I'll take a cup of Everclear, please. <laughs> just on the rocks. And the bartender was like, no, that's not how our drinks work. Like, you can get one of these that's, like, named after an author or something. Anyway, back on target. Again, it's like, who is this girl? So, turns out that Rose has taken Florence to an open mic night where people, like, get up and they read what they've written. And Rose is like, you should go up there and, like, read some of your work. Like, I think it'll get you out of this funk. Like, you're having such a good time. You're loosening up with your little drink. And Florence is like, why the hell not? Like, hearing these stories, it's really working. And so she gets up to go to the stage and she sees someone going on stage at the same time. She gets ice in her veins and it's her ex. It's the one that ruined her. Right. So then we're introduced to Lee Marlowe and it kind of like goes back in time to talk about where they met. And it was like some like swanky book party. Um, And Florence is describing that like, Everyone is dressed up and she's in like, like a regular, like brown paper girl outfit. But there's this guy and he's so hot and he's wearing a brown suit and red vans. And all I could think of was like, is this really a swanky, like, it's really a swanky book party. And like the hottest guy there is wearing a brown suit and red vans. Like, are they high skate? Like what, what are they checkered? Um, are <laughs> Are like, they skate eyes? Are they? Yeah. Are his ankles showing? Like, I I need to know more about this. Yeah. And I hate how she's describing herself in this chapter, too. You guys, listen. This is the most you're going to hear me complain about a book. But I hate how she's describing herself. She's like, here I am, an idiot loser in a discounted dress. And I was a backup date to my friend. And I hate fancy parties. And I'd rather be at home with all the books I've already told you that I don't read because I'm not like other girls. I'm a mess and I'm crazy. And I'm like, it's like, and then here comes this hot guy and he wants to talk to me. And I was just like, girl, ugh, who are you? Right. And so we meet, Mar- like, Lee Marlowe, like, goes up to her, and he's, <laughs> I'm reading ahead, um, like, they start to date and whatever, and he, ca- I can't get past it, y'all, he calls her Bunny, and, like, it, he's like, come see Bunny, come here, Bunny, I know you, Bunny. It's so gross. And then, like, okay, you know what it reminded me of is, um, did you watch Bad Sisters on Apple TV? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's this really dark comedy about a group of sisters, and one of them is dating this absolute monster asshole rapist. Or I shouldn't say dating, they're married. And the sisters are all, uh, like, planning to kill him, and they keep trying to kill him, and it keeps going wrong. And um, he calls his wife Mammy. And so it's like all of the sisters hate it. And he does it to like kind of like criticize her. He's like, come on, Mammy. And like he he does it like it's so smug and it's so gross. So every time I read the word bunny, I was picturing that like actor who's so good at his job that I hate him now. I was picturing him saying Mammy and I was like, I want to kill him, too. (laughs) I hate it, too. So she starts to date Lee, and it's picture perfect, but she doesn't tell him about the ghost or the ghost writing. Like, she's always just has these, like, like, she's writing and she's doing projects, but she never, like, 
gives him a lot of information about herself, which to me doesn't really sound like a picture perfect romance, but okay. <laughs> like he doesn't know that you can see ghosts, oh, which is like very not like most girls of you. Um, so one night at dinner, they're like hanging out and he's kind of like, I can't believe you would write romance. Like that's not like you could be doing like nonfiction something like you could be writing like real books and instead you're writing romance and she's like hey what the hell and then she's like well I was also thinking about writing short stories and it's really memories from her childhood and her own lived experiences where she talks about like talking to ghosts and those kinds of things and like the murder solving and she kind of is like yeah it's just short stories like these are just my ideas and she's kind of like poking the bear to see if he would believe her and he's like oh those are crazy like that's a really good idea you should write about these cool fiction stories um and he's like if you don't write it somebody else will and don't y'all know that motherfucker wrote the book (laughs) there's this horrible terrible scene where like he's like click clacking on his laptop and he gets up and walks away and she like takes a peek and he's writing about her and like he's going to publish it and he's not telling her. And so he's icky and he's just con man, gross, terrible. Yeah, he's the worst. I wrote, um, is this fucking song about me? That's if our main character was funny, that's what she would have said. Um, yeah, and it turns out all the shit he'd been like telling him, telling her about his life was like a lie. Like he was like, oh, I went to Columbia and like he never went to Columbia and like just shit like that. He like had this fabricated like tortured writer bullshit crust yeah. punk vibe hate him okay back to present day so whenever she and lee stand up at the same time they like lock eyes and she like mumbles something about like oh you can go first and so she needs some air so she's like okay i'm going outside i need to go like you know have a moment so she goes through the emergency exit door and she sees some hot guy leaning up the building and oh turns out it's her boss benji and she's like oh that was my ex like I'm just kind of flustered right now. And so then they start, like, flirting and making out. Like, heavy petting and heavy making out <laughs> behind this thing because she's crying. And then anyway. her mom calls and she's like, <laughs> your dad died. Yeah, so funny. then her phone rings and it's mom. And mom's like, honey, like, your dad has died. And then she hangs up with her mom and starts having a panic attack panic attack like her vision blurs she can't believe it's real her dad's like so important to her and suddenly rose like comes like barreling out to check on her and sees her crying and she sees benji and she's like what the fuck did you do another amazing rose moment and she's like get the hell away from her i'm gonna pepper spray you and benji's like trying to ignore her and he's like he's like no like i want to be here for you florence like are you okay like what's going on and rose keeps screaming she's like get the hell away from her get away or i'm calling the police so he kind of like fades in the background and so they sit down on the curb her and rose and she like tells rose like my my mom my mom just called and my dad has died um and rose is like an amazing wonderful supportive roommate takes her home florence gets on the plane and heads back to south carolina for the funeral and she's like got all these feelings of regret like wishing she'd visited more she's lived away for like 10 years she's never come back and she wishes she had more time with her dad when she had the chance but later in the book sidebar Later in the book, we learn that her dad would ask her to come home, like, every Christmas and for every holiday. And eventually, like, she kept saying no. And eventually, he stopped asking. And instead, he would fly the whole family up to her in New York and spend Christmas with her. And, like... I don't think he ever asked her. I thought the end of the book was, like, he would never ask you. But, he want like, he wanted you to infer. 
I feel like he did. Like, I feel like she said something about, like, I kept telling him no all that time. Or maybe, like, he asked her, like, a couple times and then just stopped asking. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Readers, y'all read it and figure it out for us. Um, But my, my thing is, as someone who's lived away from home, and you may or may not have this experience, but your whole family, like, flying up to you every year for Christmas is so rare and like that, yeah. like she's so loud, like all of her siblings, both of her parents, the only people she really wanted to see would just every single year spend like a week with her where she lived. And I was just like, man, that is like, you're super lucky for that because most people I know who live away from home, it's like traveling for the holidays is the freaking worst because you always have to go to other people. They never come to you. So anyway, I thought and she was expensive. super lucky. We're going back um, next Christmas. We should probably buy a ticket soon because it's going to be like a billion dollars. Yeah, it's going to be so expensive. But anyway, I thought she was super lucky in that fact. And she kind of never mentions it. And I'm like, hold on. That's like a really cool memory that you have. Anyway, so she gets to the family's funeral home and she's getting there right as the will is being read. And her father has left like super specific instructions for his funeral. So for starters, he wants a thousand wildflowers arranged by color. He wants a murder of crows to be released at the funeral. Uh, He wants decorations from his local, like, party supply store that he actually already bought and paid for in, like, 2001 or something. He's like, here's their seat. Just go in and they'll fill the order for you. Um, And he wants Elvis to perform at his funeral. And he wants Florence to read a letter that he's written for them at the funeral, but not one minute before. She's not allowed to read it beforehand. Right. So they're reading the will and, like, in the middle there's this, like, knock at the door and there's this moment where everyone's like, okay, go go get it. And then her brother's like, no, you get it. And she's like, why don't you get it? And he's like, well, you don't even live here. Like, go answer the door. And I'm like, God, somebody God. open the door. So Florence is like, all right, whatever. And she swings the door open, and it's her hot boss, Benji, but it's his ghost. And she, like, panics, and she slams the door closed. And then he's like, wait, can you see me? And she opens the door back up, and he's gone. Um, And so she's like – immediately like all right I'm not staying here like something my dad's dead I have this letter like all this other stuff too is going on and so she's like I'm gonna go ahead and stay at the Airbnb in town and she also has this moment where she's like god I would like if I was gonna see a ghost I would have rathered it be my dad and not like my hot boss who I made out with like yesterday in an alleyway (laughs) before my best friend like threatened pepper spray him um (laughs) So anyway, Benji's gone and we meet John and Dana, who's a little cute alt couple. They run the inn. Dana's non-binary, super fashionable. They are um, married or in a partnership with John, who's a redheaded man. He's got lots of piercings and an anime t-shirt. And there's this cute moment the next morning where John sees Florence when she comes down for breakfast and he says, Flow Town. <laughs> I love it. Dana said you were staying here. He stood quickly and hurried around the desk to give me a bear hug. Approximately three of my ribs cracked and I died. But he set me back down with a laugh. I did think that was super cute. It was cute. And so apparently um, back in high school, John and Florence had dated and he was like preppy and he had, oh, Lindsay, all of these details. I'm telling you, I read this book so fast. Like I didn't pick up on any of this. Apparently he went to (laughs) Notre Dame and he had a football scholarship and now he's just a cute sweet cute fun guy and i was just like this alt king okay so here's the thing this at this is the point where i'm thinking okay maybe the writing is not the problem maybe it's the editing because 
In some paragraphs, she says Marymount. That's the town. I'm guessing that's how you say it. But that's the town in South Carolina where she's from. She says it in one paragraph eight freaking times. Eight times in three sentences. That's too much. And then, like, she starts repeating sentences like, Marymount is quiet at night. And then, like, two paragraphs later, she's like, Marymount is quiet at night. And I'm like, how quiet is it? Silent. Um, and then, okay, this is what caught me up. I told you I'm always paying attention to the characters' um, outfits. And, like, I love details like that to me that, like, helps me picture it because I'm not a very imaginative girly. So when the chapter starts, she said John is at uh, the counter in an anime t-shirt. And the next paragraph, she's like, wow, look at his outfit now. It's a loud floral button-down shirt and a hat with pizza on it. I'm like, what happened to his anime shirt? Then here's what got me. Carver has a Rolex. I'm telling you. I'm telling you these moments got under my skin so much. Carver has an expensive Rolex. She keeps mentioning it throughout the book like 10 times. This Rolex is so important. And then literally she says, the next sentence she says, Carver looks down at his smartwatch. And then she's like, you've got a Rolex. But it's like, fashion people know. Rolex does not make smartwatches. Not in the traditional sense. You can't look down and read your text message on a smartwatch. So I'm like, it's moments like that where I'm like, you don't have an issue repeating the word Rolex. It wasn't you looking for another thing to call it. You just forgot that he had a Rolex. And I don't blame the author for that. I blame the editing. So I don't want to be a pill, but I like read so many books and I read so many like contemporary fiction books that like the details like this and like remembering the characters, like that makes the book special for me. But then I'm like, if you can't keep the details straight, I can't keep the details straight, and then I don't want to put pick the book back up because I'm just confused. So the next like cutscene also had a lot of editing drama. Florence <laughs> and her family are going to breakfast at Waffle House, and it becomes this like theme. And they go to Waffle House for breakfast every morning, and like there's one where she's like, "I can't wait to go to Waffle House. We're going to Waffle House as a family. I can't wait to go to the Wahoo." And <laughs> like, I am a Southern girly. Sam. I love Waffle House. I have never even drunk at four o'clock in the morning, called it a Wahoo. I've even gone to Waffle House on like Christmas and shit. No one fucking calls Waffle House Wahoo. I've had Waffle House here. I've had it in North Carolina when I lived there. I've had it in Texas. I've had Waffle House all over the South. We don't call it Waho. And she had something. She called. She also called it like the awful waffle. Like she keeps giving it like 20 nicknames in one paragraph. And I'm that like, we also don't call like it. Groffle the awful waffle from Parks and Rec. <laughs> but we also don't call it the awful waffle. The waffles are slamming. The waffles are slamming. Anyway, I was just like, I get when you want, just like the maid, when you want the Olive Garden to be a character in the book. It's like a sweet. I feel like the maid did that perfectly because it was an overkill. And in this, she's like, wahoo, awful waffle. We're going to Waffle House. I'm drinking the syrup because it's so delicious. I'm slurping my hash browns. Waffle House, Waffle House, wahoo. And I'm like, okay, cool it. Anyway, what do you get at Waffle House? That's what I really want to know. I get a waffle. I eat it from the inside out. And I get (laughs) hash browns scattered. I think that scattered is just hash browns, smothered, covered, and chunked because I fuck with what that does that little, mean? That's the ham. Put ham in it. Oh. It's like literally world saltiest ham on the planet, but it's so <laughs> it all fits together. Oh my god, I love oh my it. I get, gosh, I miss Waffle House. What do you like? I get a blueberry waffle. They go in and out of having blueberry waffles in stock. For the last couple of years, they've had blueberry waffles, and then I get the patty milk. Ha- patty milk. 
patty melt hash browns and it's like a hash brown bowl and it's got like meat and they do um like grilled onions and cheese and the hash browns it's so freaking good it's like the perfect salty and sweet uh let's stop recording and go to waffle house i can't i think i hop on a plane the closest one is in phoenix which is a solid 10 hours oh okay well hop on a plane okay hop on a plane I'll take a breeze. <laughs> so anyway, they go to this Waffle House and everyone's there and they're talking about the schedule. And so they have to have her dad's funeral, but they also have two other funerals beforehand. And Florence is like, why don't you send them somewhere else? And she's like, where where you want to ship the body? Like, we're the only <laughs> funeral house in town. Like, where else are they going to go? And they're both very, like, snarky and icy um, with one another, the sisters. And she, like, mentions a couple times, she's like... I haven't really talked to my sister in years. Like, we used to be close. Now we're not. And Carver, the brother with the Rolex, perhaps, agrees. And he's like, Mom, you shouldn't be working. Why don't we send the body to the next town? And Mom is like, it's fine. We're all going to do it. It's going to be great. And then we'll have your dad's funeral. Like, it's good. So Florence gets up, and she's walking out of the Waho. (laughs) She's not what I'm going to call it. And Ben... Is sitting at the counter, you know, a little bar stool and a little shelf. That's where Ben is. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then the jukebox starts sputtering and like the lights are flickering. And she can't help but notice that like Benji looks like so forlorn and like sad and confused. And he still has his business clothes on from work. And he's like sitting at the Waffle House counter with no food in front of him. I'm sorry, that's the saddest image. This whole book, that was my saddest image. Very clearly. (laughs) Me too. It was so sad, poor baby. And so she goes to like pay the bill for the family and she's trying to ignore him. And he's following her out the door and he's like, Wait, you saw me, right, Miss Day? Wait, you saw me last night. It was me at your door. You saw me, right? And so she's like, Yes, fine. And he's like, Oh my God, you can see me. Like, why can't anybody else see me? Why am I invisible? I don't understand. If I'm invisible, how can you see me? And she's like, You're dead. And he's like panicking and he's confused. And he's like, no, no, this has to be a dream. And in what becomes a recurring theme, she's so annoying and rude about it. She's like not empathizing at all because she's wrapped up in her own shit. And she's like, no. Wrapped up in her own shit as in planning her dad's literal funeral. Do okay, not- she's she's not just planning her dad's funeral. She's like, I'm a failure. I'm such a failure. I failed. And now I'm back in this town that I failed in. And they all know that I failed. And it's like so it's so less it's like not about her dad. It's like she's just feeling bad for herself anyway. So she's wrapped up in her own mind and she's like not thinking about him. And she's like, you're dead. That's literally why. That's why no one can see you. It's because you're dead. And he's like, if I was dead, you couldn't see me either. And she's like, yes, you're dead. Watch this. And she punches him through the chest. (laughs) I didn't remember this part at all. He's panicking and he's spiraling. And so to show him he's dead, she punches him through the chest. And he's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't remember dying. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, this is weird. The other ghosts all knew they were dead. Anyway, like, you must have some unfinished business. And the only unfinished business I could think about is, like, the manuscript. But now that you're dead, I don't have to turn it in anymore. And he's like, He's like, wait, yeah, like, what do you, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. Wait, hold on. And then she's like, hold on. Did you know I was the ghostwriter? And he's like, yeah, of course I knew. Like, I was Anne's editor. When you walked in, I was just surprised it was you. And she's like, oh, you're surprised because I'm such a failure? And 
and he's like, no, like, I don't think that. Like, I just didn't expect to see you there. I didn't know that you were coming. And she's all, like, dramatic. And she's like, everybody thinks I'm a failure. Everyone's disappointed in me. And he, like, gets this weird look on his face. And he's like, wait, do you hear that? And then he disappears. So she's walking away back to go about her day. And she gets a phone call. And it's Rose. And she's like, hey, I've got some bad news. Like, Ben has been hit by a car. So it goes on to explain that when Florence was growing up, her dad told her that if she saw a ghost, it meant that the ghost needed help. Like, they had some unfinished business. They had something to work on. Like, they appeared to her for a reason. And so when Florence was younger, she took his advice. She helped this young boy solve his own murder when she was in middle school because he was, like, in her grade or, like, a grade above her. And so whenever, you know, after the murder was solved, she was like, oh, well, he told me. And then everyone made fun of her because they were like, of course he didn't tell you, like, he's dead. You must have, like, killed him. Or maybe Mm -hmm. you're making it up or whatever. And so Florence was relentlessly bullied by her classmates, which is why she decided to leave her hometown and never come back and why, like, she really only wants to go to, like, the Airbnb, the Waho, and... (laughs) her um family's funeral home so she's like well i've got got shit to do so she starts working on her dad's funeral list she goes to a florist and she's like what um approximately would it cost for me to get a thousand wildflowers and my first thought is like i didn't snark on the book a lot but i was like why would you go to a florist to get wildflowers like that's i thought the same thing i was like why would you buy a wildflower we're in the south yeah go to any backyard any any backyard um and so she goes and she gets a quote and it's obviously like wildly expensive and the florist is like hey we're backed up on order so your dad's last order is going to be late and she's like what and he's like yeah um every year your dad has this order delivered to this house and florence is like she as a child and growing up she was always obsessed with her parents romance and so she's like maybe it's for my mom like give Mm -hmm. give me the order i'll go and deliver it so she heads over there And it's this elderly woman who opens the door and Florence like has no clue who this woman is. And she can see the ghost of a man behind the woman and he's crying. And the woman is like, oh my gosh, my husband used to always get me these type of flowers on our anniversary. And like, I still get them now. He must remember. And the old, the little ghost in the background, like mouths, thank you. And we all, we all shed a tear. 100%. It was a very, it was a very sweet moment. That was definitely the first time I cried. First, listener. Me too. First. I'll admit it. Me too. And then, you know, <laughs> time passes and Ben keeps appearing. And I think he like appeared or vaporized or whatever in front of her, like at this house, which I was already like, mm-hmm. I'm having an emotional moment. And he like appears and they're flirty. And Florence is like, God, I wish I could like touch him or like hold his hand like he's obviously going through something even though I punched him in his little effervescent chest (laughs) and Ben is still like I just don't understand why you can see me and she's like you must need the manuscript like let me give me some time I'll I'll really try and like crank it out now that it's extra due and I was supposed to finish it yesterday and a year ago and so Ben's like okay well I'm gonna go back to Waffle House and like pass the time all right listeners Here I am to bring the hammer again. Okay, I'm going to preface this with a little context. Girly pop, Leanne, if you're listening, you always call me a context human. The thing is, I like to read books when I can't really tell the timeline. Like, to me, that makes it a really good story. Because if you wrote it in 1980 or if you wrote it in 2023, it's still relevant. And it's not super, like, time specific. I think that a book 
that can take place at any time is like a sign of good writing slash good editing. I think a sign of bad writing slash editing is when there's too much slang or pop culture that's like very specific to a time. And in this freaking book, it's the worst part of our current timeline. It's millennial (laughs) cringe. The thing is, I thought I'd never have to read the word doggo again in my life. And this girl uses it in a published Penguin Random House novel. She uses the word doggo. That's not it. This one might be a personal preference, but he says question and she goes answer. (laughs) No, (laughs) absolutely not. Absolutely no. I hate it so much. Um, That might be a personal preference, but I just fucking hate that correspondence. Maybe it's my corporate background and how many times a day I had to hear that. But it's not funny. It's annoying. And here's here's the most offensive here, just you're laughing because you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> the most offensive is when offensive is when she said more than once, "I drink the battery acid juice so I can go zoom zoom." I swear to God, I almost threw this book out the window. And I live on the ground floor, so it'd be super easy for me to just toss it and never think about it again and say, "Renee, we're quitting the podcast. <laughs> Pretend it never happened." I wonder I was, when. I thought you were going to be like, this is, you texted me and you were like, this is a do not finish for me. <laughs> I, did, I, did. I can't get past it. It was, and it's not just she says it once. She says multiple times, the battery acid juice, so I go zoom zoomies. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who are you? You drink Everclear, you psychopath. Um, <laughs> That's the zoom I, zoomies if there ever were some. <laughs> I was just so thrown off and I thought it was like such a, weird choice by the editors to like leave that in instead of like later we'll find out like oh he calls it zoom zoom juice and that's how whatever but I feel like there's other ways that could have worked without a super specific dated corny internet term like zoom zoom juice from 2015 this book isn't that old I think it came out like in the last year or two so I'm like for the fact that it seems dated while it's current is annoying okay I'm going to stop complaining for now, but I will start complaining for later. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the story. So Florence is still, she's still chugging away at her dad's list. And she's um, she's bringing it up to the florist while she was still there. And she was like, you know, my dad left me like these weird things to do. And he's like, well, tell me a couple of them. Like, I miss your dad so much. Like, I'd love to hear anything about his last wishes. And she says, well, he wanted to have an, like, he wanted Elvis to sing but Elvis is dead. And I think like where my mind went was like, doy, but also like, oh, are you going to learn how to like summon Elvis's ghost? Like, what are we doing here? And then the florist is like, okay, he actually loved watching this Elvis impersonator at this bar. He used to go right before his poker night every week. So like head to this bar and see if you can, you know, talk to this guy who's an Elvis impersonator. So she goes to this bar and she, um, asks like the bartender or the owner and she's like hey is there anybody here that's like an Elvis impersonator and here we meet Bruno who works at the bar but he also goes by Elvis okay so it's spelled Elvis too but he kind of has like Spanish like his name is like Bruno he says a couple of words that like feel kind of Spanish to me so in my mind I was just calling him Elvis too (laughs) (laughs) wait that's super cute I was picturing it like that because the like the bartender's name was kind of Spanish to I keep saying Spanish, but um, 
Do it could be Latino in some way. Did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy? No, I didn't. I should, there's, but there's, I didn't. You, you really should. Talk about the IRA. Um, there is a, um, like one of the guys who's in the motorcycle club also does like Elvis impersonations on the side. And he's like this huge older, like burly man with like all of this like dark and gray facial hair and like long hair down his back. And he's got like a huge stomach and he also doesn't, that's who I pictured. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I just thought this was like a cute little sidebar. I actually really did enjoy this side plot. So um, she meets Bruno or Elvis too, or Elvis too, depending on the background of this character we don't know anything about. And turns out he knew and like loved her dad. He takes uh, Florence's hands in his and he is like, he's so proud of you and your writing. He was just so proud. Like he talked about you all the time. We all love your book. Like we've all read it. Um, and she, of course, is a fucking brat about it. And she's like, no, I'm a failure. He didn't even know I'm a ghostwriter for Ann Nichols and I suck. And so she's being annoying. And uh, she books Elvis do Elvis do Elvis do to the funeral. And she heads back to her B&B. So on the way to said B&B, she runs into Ben again. And like each time she sees him, she he's looks like a little bit more disheveled. So like his hair, like the gel is coming out of his hair and like his shirt is a little unbuttoned and his sleeves are rolled up. And she realizes that he's wearing a wedding ring around his neck on a necklace. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's why he's back like he has someone that he needs to say goodbye to or someone to part with and Ben actually goes to her and he's like actually I think I'm I think I'm supposed to help you like believe in love again and she's like excuse me like and she doesn't mention anything about the wedding ring but she's like what why would you come back like to help me do that like we've only met right. once outside um <laughs> And so he's like, let's go to the bookstore. And I'm like, how does he know where the bookstore is? Isn't this your small town? But <laughs> they they get there and her ex, Lee Marlowe, like his book is on display. And it's the book about Florence's life, basically. And I'm like, ick, why is that all over her freaking hometown bookstore? Like, yeah. And all it's the people all the there press. know her well enough, like, and think she's a freak. Like, why would it be? I digress. So um, Ben is like, actually, I love this book. And he pulls out like the first book that Florence wrote. And he's like, this book made me believe in love. And it's like really sweet and tender. And he's like, okay. Or Florence is like, okay, Ben, like, who do you need to say goodbye to? And he's like, nobody. Like, I have nobody. And she's like, well, you must have someone. And he's like, no, all I have is my cat, Dolly Burton. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I said that so flat. Which is the second book in a row, must I add, that Dolly Parton is named the greatest Tennessean to ever live. Period. He's like, it's just me and my cat. And Florence is like, gosh, that's so sad. Like, I, he believes in love and he read my book. What a small world. Like, I've got to finish this book with a, like, romantic ending so that. Ben left an Ben Ben can know he left an impression on somebody, so like he doesn't leave and literally only have his cat, which is fine if he does. But pause, so. pause really quick. Okay, I did want to mention for my cat lovers and cat owners out there, he Florence does ask if she needs to go back to his apartment to take care of his cat, 
And Aww. he says something that's like, oh, she's taking care of herself. She's an outside cat. Or like he kind of like, I don't remember exactly the specifics, but I thought that that was a really good move because as soon as I read that he had a cat, my mind is nobody like nobody else. And has nobody else in his life. I'm like, my mind immediately goes to, okay, who? we've got to get the cat. Like, we've got to go to the cat. So it was almost like one of those, like, quick loose end that was quickly tied. And so yeah. I, I did appreciate that because I'm like, as a cat person, that's like one of my big fears is like, if I pass away, what's going to happen to my cat? We have to have a death pact. That's the only way. That's the only way. So Florence goes back home. Ben's disappeared. And her sister is like, I can't believe, I can't believe that you ever left. And Florence is like, I'm going to take a shower. Like, don't talk to me. And then she's like, God, I wish Ben were here. And then, boom, <laughs> he's in the bathroom or, like, in the shower with her. And he's like, wow, great tits. <laughs> no, he says, no, he doesn't say great tits. That would be perfect. He says, you have the most remarkably perfect boobs. He said boobs. <laughs> he said boobs. Oh, he should have said great tits. <gasps> totally. Okay. Anyway, she's like. God, she's like literally thinking like god i wish ben could see my great tits and then uh, the minute later he's like your boobs are great and she's like but they're small she's like no they're not that perfect they're not that perfect and she's like god this is great except i can't touch him and then boom they're out of the shower like ben's gone <laughs> holograph has disappeared um and alice florence's little sister is like you need to write his obituary like you're the you're the writer write his obituary and so Florence yeah like write her dad's a bit right so she's like god this is hard and we kind of bounce back and forth in time a little bit and Ben reveals to Florence that he was engaged and he worked too much which drove his fiance into another man's arms and he's like I can't believe I did that to her and Florence is like what and he's like yeah like she I was so bad at showing love that like she had to find it somewhere else that's my fault and Florence is like hell no like that's her fault like, yeah, she's world's worst communicator. Like, you guys had other problems, but, like, it's not your fault. Yeah, um, and all of a sudden we get mentally healthy Florence. Where's this girl been? Yeah, she's like, you just needed to communicate better. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, who, who are you? I've been reading about somebody else. Right. So Florence and her brother and his um, partner go to the cemetery and they're going to, like, clean gravestones, which I always – think is really like super satisfying to watch and but also like icky and algae and Florence is like oh my gosh I'm really struggling to write this obituary like does anyone have anything to offer and her brother's like nope you're the writer <laughs> you can figure it out and there's this scene where Florence goes back to the Airbnb after they're cleaning the gravestones and her old like middle school bully is there who basically ran her out the house uh, ran her out excuse me ran her out of town after she had like solved the murder or like whenever she was older whatever and on the way up to the airbnb florence is talking to ben but nobody else can see ben so heather's like oh my god like <laughs> look at this girl talking to herself she's like i brought my book club to the airbnb and like we're talking about you and it was just this weird like yeah and they were reading an ann nichols book that she wrote and i was like okay this is your moment to be like okay bitch enjoy my book no, but instead, she walks in the room, and Heather's, like, making fun of her, and she's just like, I forgive you. And oh, my I, God. And I forgive yes. me. Yeah. I, and then Heather's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I forgive what you did for not believing me, but we he did you even care about the boy who died? 
He's he sat your, behind you. He was in your class. He was in your class. And I forgive you. And I know that he would too. And she's like all triumphant. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. And then Heather says something like, um, oh, aren't you a writer? Would you have written anything that we have read? And she's like, oh, your husband told me that you read my book. But she says that in her mind. Not out loud. Yeah, out she, loud, she, she walks she away like an like, idiot. Your husband told me. She's like, anyway, this whole scene was like another moment where it was very confusing to kind of pin down who Florence's character was. Because a minute ago, if you remember, she was like this hot girl communicado relationship expert where she's like, you guys just need to communicate more. It's not your fault. You can't blame yourself for someone else's actions. You can't drive anyone to cheat. And then she's like, I forgive you. Yeah. So whatever. So weird. Moments later. Florence is like, I've got to go get these wild, like, I need to start, her dad's funeral's coming up, she's like, I gotta go work on the wildflowers, so I'm gonna go up to the ridge, and, like, she keeps talking about the ridge with, like, a capital R, so I'm like, this must be where the little boy, Yeah, that's where his dad had, like, buried his body. Right, and so Florence climbs up, and she's like, I'm not a hiker girl. (laughs) She's like, I am tired. So all I can picture is, like, somebody, like, huffing and puffing, um... And she gets to the top and she's like, God damn it, it's only dandelions up here. Like, there's there's only this one flower. And she's, like, sad. And Ben appears and, like, they start flirting about making wishes. And they're kind of, like, both right on the edge of, like, saying, like, well, I wish you weren't dead so that we could do it <laughs> with your perfect boobs. Um, but neither one says anything. And Florence has this, like, big realization that love is everywhere and it's the tiny moments and it doesn't have to be, like, an epic romance to be, like, beautiful and important, which was very sweet. And I did like this part. I like Um, this whole scene. I pictured this scene really well. There's, like, a gust of wind on the ridge. And they kind of describe the geography about it, which I won't get into it. This is probably another part that you skimmed over, Renee. But they describe the, the geography of the ridge and it's kind of like... Like, kind of, like, this, like, natural, like, kind of bridge, sort of, between, like, these two valleys. And, like, you're looking up over these, like, valleys and it's, like, full of dandelions. And then there's, like, this big gust of wind and, like, the dandelion petals are, like, swirling around them. And so it's actually a very, like, beautiful, well-written scene. So it has proven to me that she can write. <laughs> she has been proven. Um, so Florence is, like, I'm so grateful for, like, the small instances of love. And then immediately Ben disappears his mo and florence goes home and the funeral home is full of wildflowers and heather said bully from one minute ago had a changed girly moment and dana who does the airbnb helped heather like pull it off they got all the flowers together they arranged it by color there is a point and i don't remember where it happened but this is where i threw the note in listener Something has happened to our Instagram algorithm where I liked one Twilight video and now it's the only thing that's suggested to it. Renee, you are that something. You are the something that has happened to it. So something happened and now it's just like Twilight remake videos. And um, she's like, I know Ben's a ghost and he doesn't sleep. Like maybe... <laughs> maybe I'll ask him if he wants to come and watch me sleep <laughs> Editor, where were you? Just where was the like editor? Edward Cullen. <laughs> she literally brings up Edward Cullen. I was like, God, what has Renee done? I was oh like, you gosh. picked this book just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Parton and Edward Cullen? 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay, so here we are. Let's get back to it. So after the wake, the family is gathered. They're drinking and they're playing spades. And Florence is losing and she's getting a little razzed. So Ben's ghost appears and he starts telling her what everybody's cards are. And they're like, oh, is your little ghosty friend here? And she's like, yup. And then she proves it by like telling them what their cards are, which is hilarious. And um, for a second, she was like kind of shocked and nobody was like... <laughs> Oh my God, ghosts are real. And then her mom's like, yeah, your dad used to do this to us all the time when we were playing cards. He would have his ghost tell us what the cards were. And there's like this sweet moment of like, yeah, your dad cheated too, just like you. We know ghosts are real. <laughs> um, she ultimately loses the game, which is funny because she was already cheating and she still lost. Um, her and her sisters do the dishes and then they cry it out, which frankly to me is the scene that is hardest to suspend disbelief because if you've got a sister... You know, this is just not how that shit goes. Um, so Ben's walking Florence back to the inn and they're flirting at the door. And then he goes pale and his eyes get glassy and he kind of staggers into the wall. And he's like, do you hear that? And like, it's like the second time he said that. So all I'm saying is something is up. It's also giving um, in, is it Ghost? In the movie Ghost, where he finally like vaporizes and goes to heaven at the end. Do you know what I'm talking about, Patrick? <laughs> it's been it's been so long. It's been so long, but where he starts to kind of like flicker. <laughs> That's what I kept picturing. <laughs> um, so he, she's like, come in the room. Like something's wrong with you. She's finally empathizing a little bit. And he's like, every time I disappear and come back, I feel like there's less of me. Like I can hear my heartbeat, but it's getting fainter and like, I kind of don't want you to finish the book because, like, what if it's not the book? And, like, they have this moment. He's being vulnerable and communicating amazingly. Um, but then he stays over and they sort of, like, ghost cuddle, I guess. Um, so just she wake. wakes. <laughs> They're doing, like, what they do in the cover. <laughs> They're just sitting there. Like, two dead bodies. Oh, my God. So they wake up. Well, he doesn't sleep, but she wakes up, and then they start, like, really hardcore flirting. And then there's, like, this open-door sex scene, which I personally could have lived without, but you do you. Yes, that's right. An open-door sex scene with a ghost. Okay. So earlier in the book, we learned that when the crows appear, that's when whatever ghost is, like, haunting you is around. So it's not like Ben controls the crows, but it's, like, if they're at Ben's the end. there. The yeah. crows are there, too. Yeah. So if, like, he's at the end, they're at the end. If he's at the funeral home, they're at the funeral home, etc. And so Florence is like, oh, my dad's ghost is probably at the end because, like, there's some, like, crows here and Ben's not here. But he's not. Dad's ghost isn't anywhere around. And it's pretty devastating. So Ben almost faints. And he, like, has this, like, really rough moment. And then the doorbell rings. And she, like, runs to open it, even though She's Ben's like, dying right there. Fuck you, Ben. Fuck you, Ben. Because uh, she thinks it's her dad, but it's not her dad. It's Rose, her sweetie roommate from New York who came to support her for the funeral. I love Rose. Um, So it's Rose is like, come on, like, I'm here. Of course, I couldn't miss it. Like, let me walk you to the funeral. So it's dad's funeral and the balloons were delivered from the party store. And hilariously and perfectly, they spell out, it's a death and happy death day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a death. Her dad sounds so rad. Like, he was one of my favorite characters, so we didn't really get to experience him at all. But he sounds so cool. There's, like, kazoos and, like, party hats, and it's a funeral sleigh. 
And so Florence brings her family up to the podium with her to read the letter. And in it, he explains his outlandish requests. And I'm going to read this part because I actually really like this. He says, wildflowers for Isabella. That's uh, the mom. A thousand flowers with 10,000 petals for every day. I would love her to eternity. The songs we dance to in the parlors, soft and good and bright goodbyes. Banners and kazoos and party hats for all of the birthdays dad would never get to attend. A murder of crows to remind us to look for him still because he would be here always. And for me to read this letter because he knew I would try to do these impossible tasks alone. And my piping hot take is that this is where the book could have ended. It was so beautiful. The scene was so well written. I was so emotional. I like could picture everything perfectly. But alas, the book did not end there. It did not. And so the mom goes on to tell like her story about where she met the dad. And we immediately pivot um, because she's like, it was a convention that had, um, it's like one third ballroom dancing championship, uh, one third furry con and like one third like mortuary seminar (laughs) and like what a story to tell at your dad's funeral so ben is across the room and he mouths like you did great and florence's sibling and like she kind of like smiles and like her ears are red or whatever and her sibling's like there's there's her ghost boyfriend like tell us about him and she's like shut up um and so ben tells florence like, after the funeral, he's like, actually, Ann Nichols was my grandmother, and that's why I keep calling her Annie, which I literally did not pick up at all, on at all. Like, yeah, the whole book, he called her Annie. And I, I maybe I was just like, Ben's kind of an asshole. Like, her name's Ann. Um, <laughs> and he's like, that was my grandmother, and she died five and a half years ago. And so, like, and Florence is like, well, that math can't be correct because I met her, like, four years ago. Um, and so it's revealed that when Florence met and she was a ghost and Ben is like, I've just loved like watching your work as Ann Nichols, like your, your writing is beautiful. It's really blossomed. And like, as your editor, I have no notes. And then Ben disappears and like, and I cried again. <laughs> yeah. I also cried. It's very obvious that like he's disappeared, disappeared. Like he's, he yeah. kept looking disheveled. Like he was bothered you know he was hearing things he's like my heart beats faint um and so when i was he immediately says, As like your editor i have no notes uh that was such a good line it was a good line i did she got me back here ashley got me back here i'm back on board so florence is like i'm going upstairs i want to get my smut out of the attic that i wrote when i was like <laughs> too young to write smut um and with all of her books, she finds a note from her dad. And I'm immediately like, oh, my God, I hope her dad didn't read her smut. Because, like, that's... Me too. Oh, so awkward. That's icky. But her dad left a note. And it's got receipts for all of the Ann Nichols book that she wrote. And he's like, I'm so proud of you, Buttercup. And then I cried again. And based on yep. your notes, you also cried again. I cried again. That was my third cry. It was like, one, two, three. Um, it was just... It was really sweet. I'm thinking of, like, her little eclectic dad with his little top hat on, like, reading her romance books and then being so, like, so proud of his daughter. Yeah, um, and it's, like, picture the scene, though. She's, like, it's a floorboard. It's, like, she's got her smut and, like, her little, like, a little box of trinkets. And she's got, like, this little collection of things um, that she's hidden so her siblings wouldn't find it. And then her dad found it and left her a note there knowing the only time she's going to come back is going to be for my funeral. So, right. oh, so sweet. So 
Alice like runs upstairs and she's like, oh my God, dad left me the funeral home. And everyone's like, well, duh, like she went to mortuary school. Like, of, like, of <laughs> like, course he yeah. left her the funeral home. Like who else was it going to go to? And so everyone's like happy and they're having like a little moment. And then Rose comes in and she's like, a hottie McHotterson is alive, which I thought this was icky. I'm like, call him something else. Yeah. Um, And Florence is like, what? And she's like, Ben, like Ben is alive. Like he woke up from a coma. I'll be honest, I did not expect Ben to come back. I was like, if Ben doesn't come back and I'm still reading another 50 pages after that beautiful chapter that should have ended the book, I'm going to be mad. I thought she was going to like learn how to move on. Maybe she does. I don't know. We're not there yet, listener. I digress. <laughs> so Florence is like, I'm going back to New York. I'm going to find Ben. And Alice keeps texting Rose because they went on a date, which is cute. And it went well, but it was like kind of just shoved in there. Like that Rose and Florence's sister were like dating. Anyway, Florence gets Florence gets to the hospital and she's in the elevator and this older woman gets on with her and um she's wearing like this colorful sweater and Florence is like, which floor do you need to go? And the lady says, Oh, I think it's finally time to head to the top. And Florence is like, Okay, and she pressed the floor and then the ghost says, Thank you, Florence, and disappears. And so like it's obviously Anne who's like going to visit her fucking grandson yeah she's like trying to move on in the world and florence is like sure thing lady anyway annoying to the top Um, florence gets off the elevator and who's fucking waiting in the lobby for where ben is it's lee marlowe ick and lee's like what are you doing here and she's like i'm here to see ben and lee's like oh good i'm glad to see you made some connections at all those publishing parties i took you to Lee's like, well, come on, let's go together. And Florence is being a wet napkin as usual. And she's like, um, okay, I didn't want to do this alone anyway. So Lee's so babbling. So i go with, with my ex-boyfriend to see my <laughs> ghost who I did it with. Yeah, fucking weirdo. So, like, Lee's babbling and they walk towards the hospital room. And they get there and Lee's like, oh, good, Laura's still here. Laura hasn't left since he had the accident. And Laura is um, Ben's ex-fiance. So... Florence is sitting there and she's like oh my god they're probably getting back together and she like doesn't go in the room and she turns to Lee and she's like why didn't you come after me when I left and Lee says something douchey like oh we wouldn't have worked out bunny I don't date rivals but you would have a while to go to be my rival and so she punches him in the nose and then she says something that the writer really wants us to think is badass, but I actually think it's worded fucking terribly. And she's like, oh, I'm not your rival. You're not even in my league. And I'm like, girl, it sounds like you're saying he's out of your league. That's still wrong, you idiot. You got so close and then you just- You were so close. And so Lee starts swailing and scream crying and he's like, I'm calling the cops. And she just walks away and leaves the hospital without seeing Ben. So she's like, I'm gonna go home and like, finish the book and she tells rose and rose is like hey like did you see him like rose is waiting for her and she's like just shakes her head and cries yeah so a few months pass and she's finishing the book and she's editing it and let's not forget she only had two days to finish so she's like stupid far behind (laughs) and her brother calls and um he's like oh my gosh my boyfriend like said yes like he was gonna propose we're getting married in three weeks um, at the funeral home and Elvis too is officiating it and they're so excited. Um, and then a couple more weeks pass and she sends the book to Anne's agent who sends it to Ben. And then Anne's agent is like, okay, well your contract is up. Like, can I be your agent now? Cause like, I know how you, like, 
I know how you write and you're good. Like you wouldn't have to be a ghostwriter anymore. And Florence is like, y'all, these are Lindsay's notes. Stupid Florence is like, I'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing funnier than me is hearing you read my words. (laughs) Love reading your notes. Um, She didn't write all of the notes, listener. She did the first half. Anyway, stupid Florence. I'll think about it. Um, But she gets an email from Ben. And um, after she's like out of her contract and he's like, uh, Miss Day, it was a pleasure to work with you. I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And Florence is like, okay, like he must not remember because like that's a very formal and like short email to send. And Rose is like, no, you have to answer the email. We've got, you've got unfinished business. Like say you need to make an appointment. And so um, Florence is like, okay, I'm going to make an appointment with him. And then I'm going to time it. So we're like right after the appointment, I'm going to hop on a plane and go to my brother's um, wedding. And so we're in the meeting and in Florence's mind, she's like, oh my gosh, he doesn't remember. And then, Lindsay, I didn't even pick this up. And then he call. she like walks in with a cup of coffee and he's like, oh, you've got your Zoom Zoom juice. And then per Lindsay's notes, she threw her book out of the window. She finally did it. <laughs> um, And so anyway, she's like, okay, he knows. And so she gives him her book. Um, and it's that first book that he told her that he read that she wrote that's like super sweet and lovey-dovey and sappy and whatever. <clears throat> and so she hands him the book and she's like, well, I got to go get on my plane. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't go. Like, I remember. And then they kiss. And then he's like, oh, my God, everything was real. <laughs> and then they kiss and they kiss and they kiss. And he's like, let's get dinner. <laughs> And she's like, no, I just told you I had to go to my brother's wedding. And he's like, okay. And she's like, well, do you want to come? And he's like, yeah, but um, I got to go get some clothes. And she's like, oh, yeah, I want to meet Dolly Parton too, which is weird. Because if any amount of time has passed, I'd be like, that's a weird detail for you to bring up yeah. on our way into the sunset. So they fly to South Carolina and they book the bed and breakfast and they walk in and immediately have sex. And Florence is like, I love you, Ben. And I'm like, what's his favorite color? Um, Then Rose and Alice walk in while they're having sex because Florence didn't lock the fucking door. And Rose is being hot and funny and she takes a swig of champagne and Alice screams because they're naked and that's her sister. So they go to the wedding and it's romantic and cute. And then they go for a walk in the cemetery and they see her dad's grave. And on his gravestone, her mom only wanted one word there. Beloved. The end. Finn. <laughs> this is a fucking roller coaster, listeners. It was. I'm telling it you, was, like, I had the, so many feelings up until, like, up until Ben is in a coma is like four fifths of the book, <laughs> and then the last fifth of the book is Ben's on in a coma. Months have passed. Her brother's getting married. They go to the wedding. Her sister and her best friend are dating. She yeah, and, ben are doing and it's like it. it's very quick. and it's just and it's like literally 90 percent of the book takes place within one week because it's it's all she's like i can't believe i've been gone for one week yeah and then like literally the last 10 percent, it's been months right. like not not it's been months since that week it's like taking us through a bunch of months anyway it's just confusing here's the thing and i know 
because of my hilarious and hot complaining. It seems like I hated this book. But my issue is that this is a beautiful, wonderful, amazing plot. It was really funny. It was really weird. I've never read anything like it. I love the characters. I love Dana. I love Rose. I loved Alice. I thought that I could picture everything. I could picture each character. I could picture the scenes. When the funeral home came, I was actually picturing one of the houses I lived in when I lived in Connecticut. I don't know why. And I pictured like the crows. It was like, that's just in my mind. That's where the funeral home was. But the editing was so bad that it took me out of the book. It was like you needed someone needed to clean this up because in my mind, the the writer is just like throwing all the noodles at the wall to see what sticks. And the editor is like, OK, these 20 didn't stick. Let me throw them in the trash. And instead, the editor was like, stamp of approval. Let's send it to print. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. OK, my overall rating Sorry, guys. This one's a 3.75 for me. It would have been a five star if it would have had a different editor, I guarantee, because that's how much I like the story. What about you? I'd probably also give it, I hate your 0.75s. I'd give it a three and a half. How or dare four, you? As someone I, who, I liked it more you don't than read, you did. You don't rate books that you read. You can't judge my rating system. I know that before you said you don't rate, you said you don't read. And I took that I didn't heart, mean that. And I won't forget I didn't, it. I said it wrong, and I'm so sorry. You actually read so much faster than me, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's why I miss all the editing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you enjoyed it way more, so maybe I need to speed it up and stop paying so much attention. There's some points where I'm like, I see a paragraph, and I'm like, I'm just going to move to the next one, because I can guess what happens there. (laughs) During the open door sex scene, that's what I did. I was like, this is so gross. I don't want to read about a fucking ghost fingering a girl. I just, it's so weird. Um, Don't describe it. It's weird and gross. Okay. Don't describe it to me. So we're going to give everyone a little bit more time with our next book. You'll have two weeks to read What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a little sneak peek of what the book is about. It's a thriller. I wanted to read a thriller. Lindsay had some on her TBR. So um, they were 11 when they sent a killer to prison. They were heroes. But they were liars. Sounds so good. I can't wait to read it. I'm excited. Hey, thanks for potting with me. And listeners, thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram for book reviews, live reactions, and occasional shit talking at Crybaby Books Pod. If you have a book that you think we should read, send us an email. You can for sure reach us at hi at crybabybooks.com. See Bye. you later.